0: Thanks for joining the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, where we discuss best practices in HR, hot topics, strategy, and employment law changes that have an impact on business. Follow us on our website at www.zeniumhr.com to get access to our articles, alerts, and to listen to other podcast episodes.
1: And now, here's your host, Brandon Laws, with today's episode. Hey, everybody. I'm Brandon Laws, and this is another episode of HR for Small Business. Today, we're going to do something a little different. We had the pleasure of hosting a workshop on April sixteenth, two 2014 that featured uh, a great presentation by our very own uh, Susie Alligood, who's our training and development director here at Zenium. And on the second half of that event, we had a panel of HR leaders in, in Oregon. And it, it featured some ideas around the topic of attracting and retaining talent within an organization. So we're actually going to once I'm done with this intro, cut over to the recording of the panel, and I almost left it in its entirety. It's such great content, so it does run a little bit longer than the episodes we're used to, but it's it's a really good listen. I, I encourage everybody to continue to listen to it if they if they have the the time to spare, and it, it'll be hard to understand who's talking at the time, but I think you'll start to pick up who's who. Uh, the panelists are Susie Dunn. She is the vice president of. People at JAMA Software in Portland. The other panelist is Paige Jackson, Vice President of Human Resources at Stimson Lumber Company. And the third panelist is Tana Thompson, who's Xenium's Vice President of Human Resources. And I mentioned Susie Algood's the moderator of this, so you'll hear her chime in with the questions every once in a while. And We also had Susie Allgood, uh on a podcast several episodes back on the topic of performance management. So if you haven't listened to that, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to that. One thing I'll mention about the the panelists and, and the dynamic between all of them: Susie, Dunn and Paige Jackson come at it from um, an internal point of view, and Tana Thompson, uh, given that Zenium's a con- HR consultancy company, Tana comes at it two different ways. She comes at it from a consultant's point of view. So a lot of her answers come at it from what are the companies that she works with? What are they doing to attract and retain talent? But she also talks about what Zenium does as well. So you kind of get those two points of view, which is fantastic. So I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to just cut it right over to the Q&A part of the panel and uh, enjoy. Let us know what you think at the very end. Uh, Feel free to jump on our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and and let us know what you thought of this. We do events all the time, and so this is something we could do a lot more of if you want to break from the just the normal Q&A that, where I'm interviewing somebody. So listen in, and thank you so much.
2: So, to kick off our panel discussion, starting with the first uh, category, the importance of defining and integrating your culture and employer value proposition. Um, and I'll let you guys pipe in as you as you are inspired to do so. How have you gone about identifying your employer value proposition and how have you integrated this
3: into your employee communication? So um, coming into, I actually just been with Stimson for almost two years, and um, coming in brand new um, to the company, um, they had really not defined what their value proposition was. So it was a fantastic opportunity to really go out and seek what do the executives think it is, what do our employees think it is, because every company has a culture. It's whether or not you've defined it, and you've identified the levers in which you can strengthen it. And so it's been a fun two years of um, really going out and and understanding what's important to our workforce. And we have a very diverse workforce. We have manufacturing, we have foresters, um, and then the corporate roles. So it's um, trying to find what that secret sauce is, Mm -hmm. to Susie's earlier point, um, defining it, and then enabling that through communications. We've got new quarterly uh, uh, newsletters that actually go out to the home so that the families can actually read them. We now have online uh, uh, equivalents um, so that there's an ongoing communication that reemphasizes what it is that they've said is important and what we're doing about it. So it's that um, closed-loop system um, that I think that... We're getting to, um, definitely not there. I think culture is always moving, shaping, changing, depending on your workforce. Um, But we're getting a handle on what are the levers to enable our, our managers to do a better job of retaining folks. Great. Good morning. Um,
4: This is definitely something that um, we put a lot of focus to at Zenium in the last year, and Susie's headed a lot of that up with identifying our employee value proposition. And I think it starts by asking your employees, um, as well as getting senior leadership involved in providing input, and then really kind of putting that all together in a few simple words. And I don't think it needs to be anything too fancy, but just really uncovering what makes us special. Why do people love what they do? Why do they want to stay with Zenium? Why do they care about their coworkers? Why do They care about the client's and what are those three or four things that we can all get behind and get really excited about? So uh, for us, it's clearly about the people. And so how do we um, bring that through or thread that through our marketing, um, both uh, for the customers as well as we, as we go out and attract uh, talent? And so bringing that in the interview process on our web page. Brandon's done a lot of work, too, with, with really uh, bringing that out. So I think everybody can get behind it, get excited about it, and then we can weave that through uh, in our marketing uh, interviewing process and as we just go about the work we do every day.
0: So my situation is a little bit different at JAMA. So JAMA is really at more of an early to mid-stage software startup, and my role coming in is making sure that as the company grows and evolves that we don't lose sight of the culture that they've so intentionally created. And so the culture has been so well-defined, yet we do need to continue to grow and expand. And so it's a little bit different in terms of coming in and trying to unpack what it is they're really clear, both the employees, the managers, the leadership team are very aligned and clear on what the culture is and so what I really try to do is make sure we're threading it through everything in terms of where we're sponsoring, where we're showing up for events, how we market and talk about ourselves on our career page that's really aligned to the company. Just in terms of, too, all new employees coming in, they go through a really holistic onboarding and we really get to that pitch like mm-hmm. you talked about, so we really make sure people think through what is their pitch and then we have them share that with the broader employees, too. And so we continue just to reinforce and see that alignment on the overall culture. And so, yeah, my, my task is a little bit different in terms of really trying to be intentional as we grow and scale and make sure it's really threaded through that entire life cycle. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and there's, there, you're right in that there are clear differences between a startup... And then a more established, yeah. yeah. So the more established, you, a lot of times you're revitalizing and clarifying. Yeah. But with a startup, it, you know, usually people are really clear. Yeah. You know that the excitement and you know, as Brittany, you don't have a huge, massive workforce, so you can really hone in on it. So different challenges for different businesses, great. Um, in terms of aligning your employment brand with business brand, is is that is that something that you have focused on?
0: Matching up? I would say definitely, and I'll speak not just to JAMA, but mm-hmm. to my previous companies as well. I mean, even thinking back to InFocus, we were so intentional about making sure that who we were as a product was mm-hmm. really showing up in how we attracted and how we really tried to... Um, to engage employees as well. So yeah, having it tied to the business brand I think is really important. Otherwise, it's, it's this dual personality. Yeah. And, and I think that that's what employees want to see is they want to really understand who are you, what am I going to experience coming in, is that, what, is that congruent to what I'm hearing in the interview yeah. process. Yeah. Great. So so moving on a little bit here, uh,
2: what strategies have you used to proactively identify gaps in your talent pipeline? as it relates to delivering on your short and even longer term business
3: objectives. So um, workforce planning has been pretty key for us um, over the past two years. Um, really identifying uh, retirement cliffs and looking at attrition in a different way than we really had in the past and understanding really what does that pipeline gap look like over the next five to 10 years by role. So what are those skill competencies that we need to go fill in order to have the consistent workflow or work, uh, skilled labor force to actually um, do the work that we need them to do um, in our manufacturing facility we you know we are timber products I can't go and find a saw filer off the street <laughs> so this is a whole new challenge for me <laughs> of, of understanding okay well what does that mean are they is it welding skills so break it down into competencies that we can now build from within um, with partnerships so we've got um, partnerships with Portland Community College and three other businesses to say this is what we need as an industry, actually four different industries, Um, but can you help us build a curriculum that we can then all use so that we know people coming out of this will have this level of competency. And so really trying to think out of the box of how do we grow from within because culture matters so much those, P, those stars that you want to retain, how do you continue to grow and develop them? And so that's really our strategy is growing from within and really having that map, that workforce map, um, to, to be our playbook. Great. <clears throat> I think it's
4: important to identify which positions are most critical to your business that will make or break your business. And so pay attention to that um, fiercely. And look uh, look forward and talent assessment. So looking at willing and able. So it's not just able, it's willing. So getting the right fit, um, really having those active conversations with folks about where they want to go and what that looks like and creating out that actual path and that plan are really important. Um, I also think just really leveraging the internal career pathing is important. So, um, oftentimes, um, you've got a lot of high high potentials, bright bright stars right out of college um, that you can develop so getting them that experience getting that path in place and continually giving them those opportunities to to build and develop can be really successful and it's a sure bet in some cases because they've been around the culture they've been around the business and they really understand sort of what it takes so spending a lot of time and investment with with those folks that are hypos I think can be can be really valuable
0: So just touching on the the partnerships, I think this is huge. So I've come from large companies where we had very thoughtful five-year workforce plans, and I've always kept that with me. In terms of now being at a startup, we're really thinking two to three years out. We're not thinking five to ten years out, but we are thinking ahead, and we're thinking about the talent and the skills that we need, and those partnerships are so important. So whether you're looking for, in my world, software developers, really developing those partnerships with the universities, and as well as with, there, there are so many different programs through, like, the technology association where there are people who are coming into now a second career where they really want to focus on on maybe a new area it's tapping into those pipelines too. And so I think being innovative in where you're present, where you're showing up, again, where your company is sponsoring themselves, at if it's at some sort of industry event, even the publications you're in. We recently got published in an engineering um, publication because we knew that that would attract some different types of the product crowd. So I think it's being really thoughtful in knowing where you're at and how you're showing up in all of those different ways. Um, other things that we do very creatively, is we host a lot of meetups on site. So we're bringing talent in that we may not have a fit for today, but you know what? In a year or two we might. And so we keep a really close eye on who's coming on site, who's attending. We try to make sure that we continue those relationships and we stay in touch because you never know, in the next year we may have an opportunity for them. And so the partnerships are really important. To piggyback on that, Susie,
2: um, are you working closely with marketing on those
0: events? How do you collaborate? Absolutely. So for example we were one of the sponsors of the TEDx event this Mm -hmm. Saturday in Portland. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the budget to be able to be a major sponsor for that so I work closely with marketing and so what we have been doing is sitting down and coming up with what's our roadmap on where we do want to sponsor and what are the events that are going to be broad, more broad from a marketing perspective that then I can have my team show up Um, and then vice versa where do I want to recruit that marketing may be able to partner with me on. So absolutely, that marketing relationships key. Yeah, right.
2: When competing for the same talent as as some others in your uh, market, what are some key things that you've done to differentiate yourself from maybe larger competitors or competitors who are maybe paying more, that kind of thing?
3: Um. We've actually been very successful in promoting our culture Mm -hmm. um, as a key differentiator to actually attract talent. Um, In our industry, many of our competitors are union shops and we're not. And we have a very different um, philosophy from a um, compensation perspective of paying for performance. So it's really, how do we come here and and just define what you want to be? Have a career with Stimson and we will help you get there. Where whether it's through tuition reimbursement, whether it's through um, job rotations, um, it's really it's yours to own um, and and drive. Um, Amazingly enough, we have had some uh, mills shut down in southern Oregon and gone down to recruit folks, and they were absolutely fine taking uh, pay cuts um, to come to a company that they felt like they could grow. Um, So we've been very fortunate in that respect. Um, The other thing just tangible that I've been amazed made a difference, is introducing relocation benefits. Who knew that would be so powerful? But really helping someone take the burden of moving their families Mm -hmm. so they can focus on doing the best work for you as a company has been Mm -hmm. amazingly, I mean, the response we've gotten, that has differentiated us from a lot Mm -hmm. of our competitors. Mm -hmm. How did you find out? Did you just offer yeah, it was okay. it was a gap when I did my kind of assessment of what okay. we had at the company and uh-huh. I thought, "Oh, we well, we don't have relocation. Let's bring okay. it in." Okay. And it, it but I've been amazed at the response okay. and how yeah. it has we've been able to leverage it.
4: Okay. Yeah. Great. So I can speak to uh, the consultant role in serving um, and partnering with a lot of small businesses locally that there is that secret sauce with a small business. So it's really getting um, behind something, contributing, making a difference, being able to really bring about positive change. Sometimes in large organizations it takes longer to get things moved through uh, or to to bring about innovation and change and so some of the benefits of being nimble and small is that you can be a part of something great and help really create something uh, exciting. So I think that can help. Uh, Also I think what What's important now for folks is uh, autonomy, so, um, you know, working um, from home, um, you know, just giving it flexibility, those types of things are important. Growth opportunities are, are important as well as Susie noted in the Fortune 100 survey. Uh, folks want growth opportunities. They want a career. They want to know how you're going to invest in them and help develop them professionally and keep things exciting for them and, and moving along that, that professional track.
0: So in the past several years what I've found at my organizations have been the referrals are one of the best pipelines for candidates coming in and they are helping you sell and differentiate so while the culture is important they also when you have somebody imagine if you're going to a company and you have a connection there how valued that is. So we we have even at JAMA we've this past quarter alone 70% of the new hires we've had came from referrals and we don't pay a big bonus at Jive I had a big bonus program because we had a lot of that in the Bay Area you're competing with big bonuses from Google and LinkedIn etc at JAMA we've tried a different approach you get a small bonus that maybe go out to a nice dinner or go out to the beach for a night but it's really about trying to attract people in that you want to work with and so that's one aspect is a referral and then the other piece that I think is key is get to know your candidate the reality is they might have multiple offers and that's okay don't feel threatened by that But get to know the candidate, what's important to them. So relocation is something that's key. So if if you're doing a national search and the candidate's looking to move to Portland, they probably want to come to Portland, but what are some different elements around that relocation that might be special? For example, we just hired someone from Colorado who's moving here with a family, and one of the concerns was, how am I going to entertain my kids over the summer that are moving here? And so we found out what the kids are interested in, and one of them likes to play soccer. So we got a gift card to one of the soccer camps, and one of the other ones likes the zoo. So we got them a family membership to the zoo. And so those little differences, showing that we really invest in you as a whole person, that rose us to the top. And it was minimal cost. That was probably, what, $200 on our end for those two gifts. But it showed that family that we're really invested in them and want them to be successful.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think especially for some of your key positions, like, I mean, engineers seem to be in such high demand and and hard
0: to find. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, I think you, you
0: have to be aggressive and one other piece to that that I found really successful both at JAMA and at Jive is we would be transparent on the career path. We would show them the career path document as they were in the interview saying, look, mm-hmm. here are all the places that you could grow. Here's what we look for. Here's what we expect. So even though it's primarily an internal document, show that to your candidates so they see how you make that investment in your career paths.
2: Yeah. Great. So in terms of... Um, identifying, assessing, and developing people from rising stars to top performers. What practices have been effective in identifying those rising stars and then growing talent? We talked about career pathing, but maybe a little bit more specific um, in terms of how you identify and then develop a plan and and then different types of activities associated with that plan. Yeah.
3: Our annual performance review process um, that we go through, we actually do all of the reviews at the same time of year, so more of a focal-based performance review. Um, We actually introduced a nine box, which you would traditionally use for more of a hypo or succession plan to really help our managers peel apart where there was differentiation between the output or technical competence versus behaviors. And so how do you actually reward people PEOPLE FOR THE BEHAVIORS AND LEADERSHIP THAT THEY SHOW EVERY DAY, REGARDLESS OF ROLE. And as a company, if that is one of our goals and our values, then how do we reward it from a merit perspective as well? It has to be equal with the technical competencies or maybe even slightly ahead of him. And so it was a great opportunity, a great tool to use to just help managers peel that apart and really have a good, solid review meeting with, them, with the employee on where they needed to grow and develop we use it a little bit from a hypo perspective, especially with those behavioral leaders, to say, what are you interested in? So kick up the career discussions between the managers and the employees to say, where do you want to be? Let, you know, I think I know where you want to be, but maybe I don't. So check in and actually get a good read on where, where it is they want to go now and help them find the path. Great. I can think of a management consultant client that I've worked with
4: and their talent is clearly in in their people and they need to grow their people and keep their people. And they've really paid a lot of attention this last year in developing quarterly meetings Mm -hmm. with the senior execs to say, hey, are we on the same page with talent? Because somebody else may be seeing something different out of the client. Mm than another manager who has limited experience. So let's let's get clear on what we're looking for and, and who that is and how are we going to develop those folks. And they've also invested in um, a VP or a director of development who's really putting together formal structures. And so what does it mean to go to this next level and then that next level and what are the competencies? So behaviorally and technically, what are we looking for and how are we going to develop those folks both from an on-the-job social piece to actually um, you know gaining a new a training or a new skill or whatnot. So really getting purposeful about about that development plan and having proactive conversations about what are we doing to develop that talent.
0: So the calibration, I'm a really big fan of that and I've been doing it for many years. And if you're not doing it, I highly recommend it because especially having that seat at the table with the management teams, helping them even think through what are the top performers doing, what's differentiating them. Sometimes the managers, they they have an idea for what it looks like, but they're not all aligned on it. And so that's where I think just sitting down after the reviews are over, and if you you use ratings, it's a great chance to be able to really understand, okay, when you look at those outliers on the ratings, Ratings, who is an outlier on both sides. Now, I am currently not using a rating system, and I'm seeing a lot of value in that too. By taking the ratings off the table, we're really able to focus on what are those goals, those accomplishments, those results, and have found that it's actually been pretty liberating. It's made the process more meaningful, and and it's taken a lot of the anxiety out of the, the process for the managers and the employees. So I know that's scary to some, but uh, I'm really excited about kind of the path that that's heading because I think it actually... Um, It allows you to look at it from a clearer point of view. Can I ask a question? Because I'm afraid I'm going to forget. Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: So when you do that, then how do you uh, base
0: your merit increases or incentives mm-hmm. if you're focused on, based on performance. So really tied more towards the goals. And so okay. we do intensive goal planning. And so it's the achievement of those goals and people that over-exceed, whether it's based on a specific metric, say if you're in sales and you hit your sales target. Sure. But it's also, we are being really clear on what are those other behavioral expectations. So even with our career paths, we have a technical career path in terms of here's what you need technically for the role, but here are the soft skills that we expect and how we expect mm-hmm. those to grow, commence answer it with your experience. Mm. Okay, great.
2: How have you, or what have you done, or how have you been able to get, and you mentioned this with the calibration, but uh, any other ways that you've been able to get leadership, the supervisors and managers specifically, engaged in developing the people that they manage? Maybe engaged and even skilled (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be effective in those areas. Yeah.
3: It, yes. You know, um, it helps. Our CEO's been very um, uh, consistent for the last five years on the vision that he has for the company, and it is a people-centered vision that really is more about self-directed work teams and with that comes a very uh, distinct shift in management practices. Um, so we have been um, doing a lot of work of skill building with our managers and quite frankly um, they're excited because it's something new and they feel like they have been they themselves have been empowered to do it differently mm-hmm. and, and not do it the same way that they received it um, as they kind of grew up in this industry. Um, we've also introduced um, HR business partners um, at a level that's probably, we have a very generous CEO that says <laughs> you know, do what you need to do. So I have 775 employees and I have three dedicated HR business partners um, that are aligned to businesses so that they can spend time every week with those that leadership team and really reflect on, okay, employee relations issues, What's the message to the organization? How are we doing it? So it's taking it will take us more time, but it's we've found that our, our managers are, are better at absorbing the information or the adjustments to how they're showing up every day if it's a face to face meeting. Um, so that that's what we're doing.
4: I think it's important to get senior level buy-in first on the importance of, of leadership and developing people. So I think if that, there's that alignment, I think that's a good start. And then I also think having accountabilities for those leaders around the development of the people, the retention of their talent, and making that an expectation for their role. I think HR can also partner and help show the way too. So it's our job as a business partner um, with the various business units to help kind of say model it. And maybe they haven't seen it done before because they were a you know, hypo. They got promoted and we need to get them, set them up for success and develop that leadership track with the soft skills as well as the technical sk- skills to give them what they need to be successful. So I think it's important to have HR help partner to support them in their growth and, and kind of show them why it's important mm-hmm. and putting those metrics in place too to see the, the, the value and the return of investing in leadership.
0: So this can be like the elephant in the room, right? You're... (laughs) your managers are obviously the most important connection to that employee's engagement, or one of the most important. Mm-hmm. And so what I found, and working in companies that are either going through tremendous growth, and you know, when you're in the upswing, it's very exciting. People are engaged, it's excited, but what about that long-term sustainment? And in my opinion, it is opinion, if you're not investing in developing your managers, they're not going to invest in the employees. So really make sure that you're investing in the managers. And doing that, a lot of times, is just through even, I do even just monthly management meetings, making sure they're really aligned to what the company's strategy is, we're making them feel like they're empowered with information, and then you use that to throw out some really good training nuggets. And then we also, at JAM I'm using Jive there too, and, and finding it's really useful, we use it more as like an intranet, but also a great discussion forum for talking about here's some challenges that you might be facing as a manager, here's tools, here's resources, and so you just keep things really top of mind, and you're continuously trying to develop those managers, and also HOLD THEM ACCOUNTABLE. SO WHEN IT COMES TO the, THE GOAL PLANNING AND THEIR REVIEW, MAKE SURE THAT MANAGEMENT OR le- THEIR LEADERSHIP IS A COMPONENT THAT THEY'RE BEING MEASURED ON. IF YOU'RE NOT, THEN THEY'RE PROBABLY NOT GOING TO DEDICATE A LOT OF TIME. IF ALL OF THEIR GOALS ARE TIED TOWARDS AN ACCOMPLISHMENT OR A RESULT, I GUARANTEE THAT'S WHERE THEY'RE GOING TO SPEND THEIR TIME. WHAT ABOUT IF YOU HAVE A SITUATION WHERE YOU'RE, you're REALLY
2: uh, FOCUSED AND, and WELL-INTENDED AROUND CAREER DEVELOPMENT, but there aren't a lot of options for advancement. So maybe you're a smaller organization and there's just not a lot of
3: room for people to go. How do you keep people growing and engaged? You know, um, I've been very impressed with our manufacturing managers and in, in their intuitiveness of, of how to grow and develop and um, because we're a non-union shop we can do a lot of cross-training there and so from day one we find out where the interests lie with employees and really start starting them off cross-training. So they may have been hired to be a machine operator, but we're going to cross-train them in um, forklifts. Um, so we always have, we're growing the capabilities of the organization, and we're keeping them challenged, especially with the younger uh, workforce. We're finding that they get bored much quicker than maybe we've mm-hmm. seen in the past. And so how do we actually give them opportunities to learn something new? And if there's a business need, how do we make it a blended role? So get creative don't just stay within your job families we've been blending roles and and increasing pay where it makes sense to to identify the work that they're actually doing on a day-to-day basis um, you know you leverage tuition reimbursement if you've got it um, but how do you continually move them forward and and so that they are grow growing and, and being challenged every day um, that's that's basically what we've been doing and just to piggyback back on that I agree uh, just having
4: conversations with employees about where their interests are and where there is flexibility so whether it's a task force or a special project or an area they want to research or maybe taking on two direct reports or whatever it might be just getting creative as far as what their interests and passions are and where you can, can stretch and you can give them those opportunities Right. so I think um, being creative, partnering with other departments, really getting understanding of where they want to go and, and creating those opportunities for those people
0: And this is a problem that I'm currently facing now because we are a small company and we have a lot of young talent coming in that want, literally young, fresh out of college, that wants to grow very quickly. And and it always, I find it fascinating that they may be with the company three to six months and think, I'm ready for the next step. (laughs) And uh, just that reminder of you really need to be in a role for a good year to really understand all the facets of the role and the business. And, right, um, so that's a reality. I really think, though, where it comes down to is getting to know your employees and understanding what's important to them and then providing them with the autonomy that we can for them to learn. So whether it is they're interested in growing and developing themselves personally, try to make that investment. And again, you may not have a big training budget, but there are really creative things you can do. The other thing is um, you also conversely may have people that don't want to feel the pressure of that I want to change. There are some people that are going to be very, very happy moving into a role and staying there for several years. So I always recommend we've got to balance the need for growth with also the individual and what's most important to them. And so I do also think that there are some important conversations around not yet with people that we may not have a position you're interested in today if they want to grow, but that doesn't mean it's never going to exist. And so it's always a fine line. It's the no versus not yet. It's the getting to know the individual. It's having that continuous learning opportunities. I think it's kind of all of the the above. Great.
2: So shifting gears a little bit to recognition and reward programs, um, what tools or systems have you implemented or even currently using to understand
3: what motivates and engages your people? Mm -hmm. Um, so three things we've actually implemented over the last couple of years. Um, one is we weren't our managers weren't regularly having meetings with their employees. Okay, let's start there. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Get to know them as a human being. Actually, uh, understand where what. What motivates them? How do they want to receive rewards and recognition? So really, I mean, basic, foundational, make sure that your managers are meeting with employees. Um, Then we actually, rather than doing um, kind of org health surveys, um, we decided to do um, focus groups with employees at each location so it was more of a face-to-face. We could really ask follow-up questions and really understand what's important to employees and then how would they assess how we're showing up and performing as a company so that we have a real clear gap analysis at the end of that to say, okay, where do we want to invest our dollars and then how do we flow it back to them of this is, thank you for the information and this is what we're doing about it because It's never a good thing not to close that loop. (laughs) Um, And then the third thing that we've um, implemented is um, post, we have probationary reviews at the end of 90 days. And so at that point, we are also asking employees um, to do a a sit down meeting with their HR business partner for a stay interview. So walk us through your experience of recruitment, onboarding, integration into your job and team, feedback on your manager. Um, Did you actually get the information? You needed at the time and the right cadence to be the most successful. Do we need to adjust anything? And those have been wonderful feedback mechanisms, more real time to managers in adjusting it to my, to the recruiting team. Um, so it's been a great um, feedback loop. <clears throat> Great. So I think it's
4: really important that we look at engagement and motivation individually. So again, that falls on the manager and making sure HR has given them, I think, the tools and support to be equipped to have those conversations. So I've seen uh, as simple as a questionnaire. So rating these top 15 things as far as purpose, you know, money, um, you know, accomplishment, those types of things, rating them from, from 1 to 15 and just really understanding that it could change at time, but it's, it's an active process. And so, being able to recognize and individualize feedback, and um, you know, just that that whole reward loop. Um, and being engaged as a manager so I think it it could look different I think the challenge with the surveys is you're going to get a general sense across the company but how do you really pinpoint that this hypo is struggling in this area or they really need X and I think it's it goes back to engagement with the manager and having that open communication and that could be the monthly one-on-one that could be an impromptu meeting but just having that foundation of trust and communication where they can say hey Here's what I need right now for my job, or here's where um, here's where I want to go, or here's what would really be helpful from the team or from the company. So communication is key there.
0: So I absolutely agree with both, and. You also, Susie, touched on something earlier, which I think is important. You know, A lot of companies, we don't have the benefit of being able to have an in-house comp expert because we just don't have the budget to support it if you're a small organization. But I highly recommend you continue every every year or two to bring in a comp expert to help share what those trends are, what we're seeing in the marketplace. One of the things that we encountered about two years ago, I'm looking at the Web Trends group, well, Salesforce came to town. And all of a sudden, the salaries for our support team Team went up by about 10K. And we started seeing support engineers deciding they wanted to leave downtown Portland, go work in Hillsboro, and make more money. So we were caught off guard by that. And all of a sudden, we were put in a position at our local companies to decide, are we going to try to match this compensation? Or you know, what are we going to do to get in front of it? And so as we continue to see more investment here in Portland, it, it's wonderful to see Portland as this vibrant hub in technology and healthcare care and services. But we are going to also continue to see a lot of changes in the, the competition landscape. So encourage you to continue to leverage those expert resources when you can. The other thing is just... It is to reinforce that, get to know your employees, what's important to them. One of the things you do have is a variety of tools within any company. You have their their salary. You could look at discretionary bonuses. Think, think of things, again, like that incorporate the family. Some of the best... Um, opportunities we've had to really drive engagement is if somebody delivers really well on a project, give them a weekend getaway for them, for their family. Cover the airfare, the hotel, it may cost you a $1,000 or $2,000, but man, that goes a long way and their family also will really appreciate that. So look at ways to incent the person in ways that are really meaningful to them. What role does wellness play in terms of your uh, value proposition and then just Benefit programs. So I have to say, I've been at JAMA since the fall, and it was fascinating coming into a company that wellness was just embedded in. Previous organizations I've been at, we've been asked to or recommended we need to embed wellness in. So it's been a really interesting experiment just to see uh, a workforce that, just in their DNA, are avid bikers, hikers, skiers, etc. And so one of the things I've been really trying to do is not come in and have this be like an, any sort of HR program, but really just make sure we're empowering and we're advocating and you know, we're fostering and, and continuing um, people to know that wellness is so important. And so looking at things that are important to them, like we host on-site yoga we brought in, there were several people interested in juicing, so we called Greenleaf Juicing and said, hey, would you come and do a workshop? I bet you'll get a lot of customers out of it. But it's been really interesting to see it as part of the DNA. And then going back to thinking of previous organizations where we tried to implement it and did, it does go a long way. But I think a lot of times it's really figure out what does mean matters most to your employees. Um, and don't make it just a solid program. Mm-hmm. Really look at is that invested in, in each person individually mm-hmm. and kind of leverage it from that there. Yeah, so it's almost like shifting the the mindset
2: of wellness as a benefit-related program to more of a culture,
4: yeah. being part yeah. of your culture, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. anybody else have anything? Yeah, else? I think wellness too can be this notion of work-life integration. So not so much work-life balance, but supporting folks into what they need to do personally, um, which could be through the day, to give that flexibility. So uh, a lot of people have uh, competing things going on with children, with elder care, uh, with other things, and that giving that flexibility to take care of that and then know that they'll get the work done and giving them that autonomy can be, I think, really, really valuable for employees.
3: We, we actually do have an outcomes-based wellness program. It's been in place for about five years. And so there are monetary rewards for mm-hmm. levels mm-hmm. Um, from a, um, rebates to their premiums. Um, but what we started to do is actually aggregate the biometric data by location and share it. And to say, hey, guys, this is kind of as a site where you have opportunities to get better. And let them choose what's the one thing you want to improve upon this year. And then give them a budget. Um, we've got 30 guys after their shift going snowshoeing in Priest River, Idaho, because they want to be together, and they were get, that's fun for them. We have um, brought in nutritionists to the I mill that actually brought in catered healthy food to say, here it is, this is what it looks like, because <laughs> um, nutrition was on their goal. So it's really um, you know, empowering the people so that it, it means something to them and they feel like they have ownership. That's
2: awesome. Okay, how much does work environment influence your ability to attract and retain talent?
3: (laughs) I'll start. Okay. Um, Significantly, Um, we're we're a sawmill, Um, so you know the perception out there is that we are a dead or dying industry, and so there is a ton of. There's just a ton to overcome to get that new fresh blood looking at this as, you know, this is not the industry of your fathers. It's very technologically savvy. Uh, we have optimizers. There are software engineers that work in the mills now. I mean, so it is it is advanced as an industry. But there is a perception out there that it is gritty, grimy, and a lot of hard work. And so we have to we have to overcome that. Mm-hmm.
4: I think as you all know, applicants are more savvy and they want more from their work environment now. So they're going to take their time in doing their due diligence to make sure that they've got the right fit. And we spend a lot of time at work and it's important. They're asking us questions, too, about work environment. So I think it's it's crucial in the ability to attract and retain talent. They want to know who they're going to be sitting beside. They want to know who they're going to be spending a large portion of their day with every day. So I think um, it's really important for candidates. They're interviewing us as well. Many times they have other offers on the table. So it's really our opportunity to shine and get them well integrated and get them a good feel for what it's going to be like. Um, And I think if you have a positive culture um, that's supportive, I think it really shines through in in that interview process
0: and can be a competitive advantage. So this is on my mind a lot right now because we are moving into a new space in December. Mm-hmm. And so we're in the midst of the design and we've just gathered feedback from the employees. And so it's a software company, right? We offer all the perks. We have the food on site, the kegs of beer. Um, we have all different types of collaboration areas embedded throughout. And at the end of the day, though, as we really talked to employees, what was most important is that we don't lose the essence of the culture. <laughs> and so the space is really important. And, yes, people had opinions. There, we, People wanted a rock-climbing wall and, you know, all these unrealistic <laughs> thoughts around what, what we should put into place. But when you really peeled it back, what they wanted was a place that they had pride in, that they felt like they wanted to be able to show off to their families, wow, this is a place I work. But it didn't have to be the fanciest. It just had to really, it needs to show off who we are as a culture and really emulate that. Mm-hmm. And and so one of the things we also talked about was furniture budget. Mm-hmm. So you could have the fancy walnut desk and we'll end up spending twice the amount of money as maybe something that is a little nicer than the IKEA furniture you sit on today, but it's not going to be the fanciest furniture in the building. And they were okay with that. We were really open and honest about it. So the mm-hmm. space is important. Yeah. But I also think sometimes we open Overestimate. You can have the fanciest space and have a culture that's really unhealthy. Awesome. Okay,
2: shifting to, to metrics and benchmarks, and then we'll open it up for questions. Um, what metrics have you used to evaluate the effectiveness of your recruitment and or
3: retention practices? Mm-hmm. <coughs> We've actually been looking um, pretty hard at our voluntary and involuntary first year turnover um, as an indicator of quality of hire. Um, so kind of leaning away from a traditional recruitment metric. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we've gone actually look at it on a monthly basis down to the role so that we know is it a trend in the job type, a location? You know, really getting down to an actionable uh, metric. Um, Monitoring those termination reasons. Is there any sort of trend that we can actually do something about? Um, And then the stay interviews have been a huge uh, wealth of knowledge um, to kind of feed back into the overall loop um, to say, okay, we we can do a better job of recruitment and assessing the talent. Mm
4: -hmm. So really looking at the trends and, and the reasons why, kind of peeling back the onion to look at um, you know what worked well, what didn't, so maybe not some hard and fast metrics, but uh, was it internal career pathing? Um, was an external candidate? Did they have direct experience? Did they get the right training? The right support system? So I think as you look for patterns and trends, you can reshift your focus on retention, so maybe not a hard and fast um, calculation, so to speak, but looking over time, a one-year period, two-year period, what's worked well, What hasn't? And what can we do differently moving forward to uh, set people up for success and really uh, to keep those high posts on the team?
0: So I'm a very big fan of metrics and also being able Mm -hmm. to tell the story and the themes behind those metrics. So I look very closely from a recruiting perspective at what the time to hire is, and that's from the time we post the job to the time the offer is accepted. And I really use that as a key metric and I look at that by department and by role and really try to understand if we're seeing some trends that it takes longer than expected to hire. What is that? How can we then more actively hunt and source and really try to, again, bring more of that talent in? So I look at the time to hire. I also look at the demographics of the pipeline. So, again, I want to know what the employee referral percentage is, want to know how many we're directly sourcing because that tells us a lot about also how many hits are coming into our career site so if you're if you don't have an ATS that gives you good analytics you know that is something that you can use to your advantage. Also LinkedIn if you aren't paying for the LinkedIn um, there's various levels to the packages but there are some incredible analytics that you can get about the people that are looking at your company how much time they're spending looking through the jobs and I I also look at that too it kind of gives me the health from a recruiting from a turnover I look at the exact same um, perspectives I really look at the one to two year turnover because I want to make sure we're retaining people for at least two years and so if if I see turnover that's higher than expected in that one to two year category then I really try to understand and assess what that is and so those are the, the key kind of on the front and the back end and then Throughout the marks, what we do is we look at just how can we measure engagement from surveys after we have all-employee meetings, from the benefit surveys, et cetera. We use all of those to track engagement. But I have a dashboard. I even, like, here's a copy of my, like, one-page, two-page dashboard that I show the board of directors, and they love it because it just shows them here's some of these quick metrics, but then I also am able to describe here's the themes behind it, and that really tells a pretty good story. Thank you so much. I mean,
2: you guys have such great uh, experience and knowledge and are so articulate, and I'm really grateful to have the, the connection and the partnership, and I think you guys were fabulous. So Thank you. Thank
4: you. Thank you.
1: This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources, Inc., all rights reserved. For information on guests or for interview requests, please visit www.zeniumhr.com or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only, and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.